The third psalm, please. Let's look at the opening credits. Psalm of David when he fled from from Absalom, his son. Verse 1. Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? Many are they that rise up against me. Many there be which say of my soul there is no help for him and God. Selah. But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory, and the lifter up of mine head. I cried unto the Lord with my voice, and he heard me out of his holy hill. Selah. I laid me down and slept. I awaked, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people that have set themselves against me round about. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for thou hast smitten all mine enemies upon the cheekbone. Thou hast broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongeth unto the Lord. Thy blessing is upon thy people. Selah. David, the psalmist, writes this in relation to him being on the run from not an enemy, but from his own flesh and blood. Imagine that. From a family member, from his son, trying to kill him, his own son. And so we find a concise prayer right at the beginning of Psalm 3. And concise really means a lot of information in a few words. A lot of information in a few words. So really, it's the, the heart of David, the depressed heart of David. So this is a concise prayer. He's, it's a concise praying. There's a lot is said in what he said in the first few words. Notice what he says. Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? In other words, the first one he turns his mind to is the Lord. Many of us turn to another family member to try and get our point across, try and get our side over. Or maybe a friend and we go and tell them what we say, what our point is to try and make it out. But David here concisely goes habitually throughout the Psalms to the Lord. How are they increased that trouble me? Not only Absalom, his son. Um, Absalom came from, if you remember, um, Abigail. And that was his mother. She was the wife of Nabal, remember, who wouldn't give uh, David's men any, any bread or wine and so on. And, and he was very coarse with them. And, of course, he died. And David took Abigail. They had Absalom. And look at this. It comes from a heart of a man, a concise prayer, from the heart of a man who feels he has nothing left to give. Maybe that's a heart here tonight. Nothing left to give. Nothing more even to live for. 
your own flesh and blood, your own son, looking to destroy you. It seems as though there's no hope of deliverance because in the opening title, he fled from Absalom. Yes, geographically, he fled into, as it were, the Judean wilderness and into the mountains. But he fled to the Lord because it was there. The Lord got him alone. And he and the Lord communed. Sometimes when certain things happen, certain hurts happen, certain even illnesses happen, what the devil might mean for the evil, God works for the good. And he uses it. God brings the good out of it and he uses it that you and he may have some fellowship together. That you'll use, as it were, that time, that opportunity to seek his face. Notice a psalm of David when he fled from Absalom. And it's bad enough, it's bad enough to think of Saul who chased him before. King Saul. And of course, here again now, he's been through it all again. But this time, the hurt seems to be deeper because it was his son, his own flesh and blood. So it's bad enough when your neighbors reject you. It's even worse when your friends turn on you. But it hurts the most when your own family, your loved ones, your own kith and kin, your flesh and blood try to destroy you. Try to destroy you. So David fled from Absalom. Why did you not stay and fight? Because he was his son. Is my sound dropping in the light here, is it? I'll try and turn this around. Because he was his son. Even in latter years when Absalom died, and he died a horrible death, hanging by the hair or from a tree and thrust through the knives as he hung there. People thought David may have rejoiced at this time, but he cried, Absalom, Absalom, my son, Absalom, and he lamented. You know why? Because he's his flesh and blood. He's his son. Remember, brothers and sisters, remember this. Those who are closest to you are those who know the most about you. And also, it is those, those same loved ones whom you don't expect to hurt you. You don't expect it to come from one you have loved and grown up with. Are they with you? When it's unexpected, it's worse. When it's unexpected, it's worse. They hurt you and cut you deeply. And so concisely praying when you have a heart like David's, hurt and depressed and sad. Sometimes we don't have the big swelling words 
and the long-standing prayers and the times when you're maybe an hour or two hours with the Lord. But we need that concise prayer. Cry, Lord, help me. Heal me. In Psalm 41 and in verse 9, this is prophetic of the Lord Jesus with Judas Iscariot. Yet we can all who have been hurt in such manner of someone close, may not even be a family member, but someone very close, yea, mine own familiar friend in whom I trusted was to eat of my bread, hath lifted up his heel against me. And of course, on the same night on which the Lord was betrayed, he took bread, remember? And on the same night, we're told by John, he dipped the bread in the sop and he gave it to Judas. Lifted up his heel against the Christ, against the one who loved. And then we must think of us And how we live our lives for him. How we live before him. Psalm 55. Psalm 55 and verse 12. Again, it says, For it was not an enemy that reproached me. Then I could have borne it. Look, if it's your enemy, listen, the world itself outside doesn't faze me. See, the world and the world, because they hate us, and, uh, you know, it doesn't really bother me that much. Yes, they can agitate you and aggravate you and annoy you at times, but it's not really the world. You expect it from the world. That's why the psalmist says, if it was an enemy, I could have borne it. Neither was it he that hated me that did magnify himself against me. Then would I have hidden myself from him just as he did with Saul and now as he's doing with Absalom and in Psalm 3. And he's saying here, look, if it was an enemy or even if it was somebody that hated me, then I could have even got out of their way. Verse 13, but it was thou a man, mine equal, my guide and mine acquaintance. 14, he took, we took sweet counsel together and walked into the house of God in company. Do you know what he's saying here? We love the same Lord. Follow the same God. And now this one here has lifted up, not only here to have us, he lifted against me, but he's brought me into reproach. And we fellowship together, we worship together, we sang praises together, we prayed together, and suddenly my heart is broken because he has torn me apart. The old saying is this, You always hurt those most that loved you most.
and it is difficult and it is hard that when you've been hurt by a, it's a family member, you've been hurt by a close friend, you've been hurt and then those who have gathered together in Psalm 3, they, they're increased, that trouble me, they, they get others on the side and all you want to do is say, Lord, I want my pound of flesh or I want to get my part over or, or I want to get my side spoken. But he doesn't do that. As he runs and goes into the closeted area of the wilderness and the mountains, he uses it as a vestibule of heaven. You know what a vestibule is? Some churches would have a wee room where the minister would take someone in to minister to them. The vestibule. It's a little compartmented office off where maybe someone is concerned about their salvation and they go to talk to them about it. I remember when we, when we were growing up um, and we were in a little terraced house. There was a long, thin hallway. It was a small house, six of us in it. There was a long, thin hallway. There was a glass door. And then a little, maybe, what would it be? Two, three foot by three foot square hall. And that was your main front door. We called that the big door. Shut the big door. My dad used to shout out, out, and when the heat was going out up the hall, shut the big door. (laughs) Or if a friend called, it's not like our house. Our house is like a halfway house. I don't know who's staying in our house now. It's full of girls everywhere. But then, really, they didn't, it wasn't that, I don't know why it was ours or others, but it wasn't that many sleepovers and that many staying in the house. It just didn't happen. I remember if I was a friend and we were maybe one to talk where none could hear us, we went between the big door on the outside and this glass door on the inside, and about three foot or so by three foot with a tiny little tiny floor. And that glass door was called the vestibule door. And sometimes my dad would have shouted, well then shut the vestibule door, you know. And when we were in there, we could whisper and talk to each other. Nobody knew our conversation but us. And that's what David made this experience into. Chased away by his own son, And now he and the Lord are between the big door and the vestibule door. Notice, you can be hurt by family. You can be hurt by a close friend, maybe a lifelong friend. And you can be hurt in church. And it cuts deep. Listen, I don't even know why I'm bringing this. I've just had this led in me to bring this tonight. It cuts deep. Do you know why, especially with family, best friends and church, why it hurts so much more than the world? Because it's not expected. And it's not meant to happen. In Psalm 3 we're told, David fled from Absalom his son. Listen to the cry. Lord, 
How are they increased that trouble me? Many are they that rise up against me. Now notice, this is the language of a man in need. Notice this, a man in despair. His speech is direct and straight to the point. Verse 2, many there be which say of my soul, there is no help for him and God. Selah. Now whether you're here tonight or this goes out later on, whenever, and you're listening, while you have breath in your body, and you have a heart that's beating in your chest, and you have ears to hear, you have always help in God. You have always help, and you have always hope in God. And David, if you notice in the psalm, doesn't try to beautify his words. He doesn't try to dress them up or cover them over. He doesn't try to sort of say, there's a problem, Lord, I don't really want you to know it all, because it's my son. Because it's my son. The Lord knows, but he wanted him to bring it. He's quick, he's direct, he's straight to the point. You see, the title of this, in this, that's why we read the title, the mention of the word psalm, it's the word mismore. Psalm here, a psalm of David, a mismore of David. Now, actually, David had this written to be sung along, accompanied by stringed instruments. But also, I'm told, it gives the idea as they're singing, the idea in the Hebrew flow is there's a pruning going on in David's life. Where God is taking those branches, as it were. Do you ever walk along the side of a wall or a roadway and there's not much pavement because the hedge is overgrown? It needs cut back. It needs trimmed back. It gives the idea of this psalm. This is the sort of psalm it is. And what God was doing is, he says, son, the devil might mean it for evil, but I'm going to use it to prune you for your good. For your good. Brothers and sisters, no excessive dialogue, no flowery tones, but just plain, transparent, and brutal honesty, direct and straight to the point, listen to his cry. He says in verse 3, But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me. You cover me. You protect me. Do you know how he's able to say this? The first two verses, he's in distress. But with a concise praying, in this time of distress. With that concise praying, by verse 3, he's now realizing, I'm in the right place. I'm in the right place. But sure, you're not on the throne, David. Your, Your son Absalom is still looking for you, David. There's still all the enemies out there. All the problems are still there. All the worries and the fears and the fretting is all still there, David. And, and you're saying you're in the right place. Yes, he was because he was in that vestibule with God. He may have been away from the, 
the throne. And he may have been away from all that, but sometimes God has to remove a lot of stuff that we might see a bit more clearly. That he can speak deeper into our hearts. Psalm 5. Psalm 5. Listen to what he says. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my meditation. Hearken unto the voice of my cry, my King my, and my God. For unto thee will I pray. Notice, he's saying, Lord, the only place I can find help and hope and rescue and deliverance is when I go into your presence. When I bring this trouble before me, even a family member, because you'll hear me, because you always listen. And so, David here is praying and he's saying, Lord, look at all my troubles. First two verses of Psalm 3. And then by the third, he starts to realize God is with him. Maybe you'll take that tonight, will you? Maybe you'll take that tonight, no matter what it is. God is with you. On your own, God is with you. In an illness, God is with you. In sorrow, God is with you. When you're depressed, God is with you. When you're fearful, God is with you. When you're helpless, God is with you. When you're lonely, God is with you. Every day, God is with you. Every hour, God is with you. Every problem, God is with you. Every trial, God is with you. Every temptation, God is with you. Every turbulence, God is with you. No matter where you are, God is with you. When you're sleeping, God is with you. When you're awake, God is with you. For he says, I will never leave you, nor forsake you. Look, in Psalm 6, if you'll flick over for a moment. In Psalm 6, and verse 1. O Lord, rebuke me not in thine anger, neither chasten me in thy hot displeasure. Have mercy upon me, O Lord, for I am weak. O Lord, heal me, for my bones are vexed. My soul is also sore. Do you ever get language like that? He's saying, my soul... It's sore. That goes beyond the cutting of the flesh, the bruising of the body, the breaking of a bone. People that have lost loved ones, you know, I'm sure we all have. And that, if you've suffered a deep grief because they've been so close to you, that that distress of it, you can't express it. And, well, it's so sore. It leaves a gap, a void, 
an emptiness and you think you start to get over it a little, you're pressing on a bit and you know it's there, but suddenly a wave, it's like a tsunami comes and washes over you and you feel you've been rolled back up the beach again and into the, in among the rubble there because all of a sudden this has hit you again. The reality of that loss in your soul, not your feelings, not just your, your feelings, your emotions, your very soul is sore. Deep, deep pain. David, I think it's in Psalm 42, so forgive me if it's not. David says, deep calleth unto deep. It's when you can't even express it. It's when you don't know the words for it. You could go to a counselor to talk to them, and all you'll do is you'll open up the can of worms, and they don't say much. If you ever go, if you know anything about the counseling, they'll sit and nod and help you a wee bit. And maybe the next time they'll tick off a box, and then they'll show you a pattern over time. It sort of helps you to know that this is, well, obviously others have come through these things. But they can't reach down into your soul to minister. can't reach right down into your inner being to help. Only the Lord can do that. Only he can do that. You see, the first thing is David realizes his own failures and, and by the time he gets to Psalm 6, rebuke me not in thine own displeasure. But in Psalm 3, he realizes as well, the one who chastens him because he's his son is also the one who is his shield to protect him because he's his son, his child. The concise prayer, a lot of words said in a short, a lot of information given in a few short words. And... Concise praying doesn't have to be where when we even pray, whether here or at home or whatever, where it's a case of, I need to have, because I've heard people say it over the years, I can't pray like him. I can't pray like her. I can pray on my own in the house now, but I can't pray like him and I can't pray like her. Well, you aren't him and you aren't her and they're not you. That's the thing. David could have come out with a, 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 an hour's worth of prayer, but no heart. But the concise prayer was from his heart. First of all, he's recognizing his only help from the beginning. Lord. I remember I was only saved. It wasn't long saved, I should say. It wasn't that long saved. And I'd never really prayed out in a prayer meeting before. And I hadn't been to that many. And I was trying to find my way. Because we had no Christians in the family I had to leave all my mates because they were all on drink and drugs and so on. And I obviously couldn't hang around with them. And I remember trying to find my way, trying to get through this newness of life and, and what does a Christian do? And I, and I remember I'm trying to get myself back on my feet because I was sofa surfing. I was l- legally listed as homeless. 
I got, I got myself a job. And, but I remember I went into a Friday night prayer meeting in Whitewell. I'll tell you when it was. It was 19, late 1996, maybe early 97. And my heart was breaking because my mum was dying. She had an operable cancer in her brain. I remember hearing all these things praying. I'd never prayed, prayed privately, but I just hadn't got this day to do this. I remember this Friday. It was like, I can't do this anymore. I had no friends uh, uh, because of what I said to you, what I told you. Uh, my family had no idea anything about these things. Um, I was on my own. That's the truth. But I knew God had done something in me and I was saved. But I didn't know what to do. And this Friday night, never forget it, I was sitting there in this deep grieving came on me. And this might sound naive and it might sound even funny. It might sound even stupid. Here's what I prayed, and I'll never forget it. And I felt stupid after it. I got up. I was just flew out of me. Lord, with nowhere else to go, will you help me? Will you help my mom? That was it. But I'll not forget this, which I didn't realize to its fullness until later in the spirit as we walk with the Lord. Everyone went as though they were touched with cloven tongues of fire and they all lit. And I felt, what have I done? But it was a concise praying from a distressed heart. David does that. Look, in, in Matthew's gospel, we read of Peter on the, the, getting out of the boat and walking on the water, don't we? You know what his prayer was when he took his eyes off the Lord and on the storm? Simple. Lord, save me. Because you know why? He's going under. He hasn't time to go, Lord, I come unto thee in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ through the merit of the precious shed blood. No, that sort of stuff. And we do come, O our righteous and our holy Father. He's drowning. He's going to die. Brothers and sisters, we need to get real. Lord, save me. And Christ was no disappointment. He reached down and put him back in the boat. Look, maybe you've been hurt whatever way. Church, close friend, family. And it hurts so much because it's not meant to happen. How do we get through those things and how do we get around those things? How do we get over those things? How do we deal with them? Sometimes we need to step back for a while. 
to assess ourselves. Didn't think I was going to say that to you, didn't Sometimes we do need to protect ourselves. Sometimes when it gets, look, let's put it in a church setting. Someone gets hurt. How do you get over the hurt? Because it wasn't meant to happen. Here's how I, I've been hurt in church, I don't know, many times. Before pastoring, many times. And from pastoring, <laughs> oh dear. Many, many, many times. Ones who you've ministered to, you've helped, you've been, you've blessed, and drop you like a hot spot in the way they go, and you're the worst in the world. And, and how do you get over that? How do I deal with it? Honestly, it's stardom hurt. And I start getting to the point where I get angry. But it's only until I get into that vestibule with God and I bring it to him. That healing starts to come. And I forgive. I forgive. Doesn't mean to say you have to have them living in your back pocket. And you're not forgiven for their sake. You have to forgive for yours because if you don't, do you know what it's like? It's like drinking poison, poison and expecting the other person to die. Isn't that true? Unforgiveness is like you drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. You drink it, ah, and it's the unforgiveness eats you up. And you look at them and you say, they're going to die any minute because I've drank that poison. I drank that poison. No, it's you that dies inside. So I'm going to round this up in a moment. David doesn't run and fetch a compass to see which way he'll go. He doesn't point himself toward Jerusalem to make sure he's got everything lined up with the rising of the sun. He doesn't go and run and buy a prayer shawl and put it over him to make himself feel holy. He doesn't run around the church to tell others. And he doesn't run away from God either. He doesn't fall out with God. He doesn't fall out with God. What does he do? He runs to him and concisely praying from the depths of his heart. Lord, help me. And the strange thing is in Psalm 3, he tells the Lord, Lord, they're all out to get me. How they are increased and many there be which say of my soul there is no help for him and God. Here's a little thing I want you to take note of. See the word help in verse 2 of Psalm 3? Underline it. The word help. Underline it. And then go down to verse 8. See the word salvation in verse 8? Underline it. 
helping first to salvation in verse 8. And why would I get you to underline that? I'll tell you why. See the word here for help and the word for salvation. Both those words have the same Hebrew word. Both words are the same Hebrew word. And the Hebrew word is Yeshua. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Yeshua. So for example, in verse 2, many there be which say of my soul, there is no help for him in God. There is no Yeshua for him, for her. See, every single one of us, including this man here, you're you're listening to, every one of us have failed God immensely. Some of us have manifested our failures more than others, and some are hidden and they don't know. And there's some people that have failed even in their walk with God. And after a while, you know, they, they press on and they find it hard and they, they try to go, to go on with God. And people even would say, listen, church. Ah, as they point the finger, there is no help for him and God. There is no help for her and God. Ah, but see, that's where they're wrong. That's where they're wrong. For as long as there's a cross, for as long as there's the lamb, for as long as there's the blood, then there's help for you and God. Get back to Calvary. Get it under the blood and press on in God. Walk in his grace. So help in verse 2, salvation in verse 8 is the word Yeshua, Jesus. Oh, there's a Jesus in God. He's from God and is God. So I think I'll have to round this up to we get praying. In verse 4, it says, I cried unto the Lord with my voice, and he heard me out of his holy hill. See, in Jonah chapter 2, verse 2, when he's swallowed by the great fish, he takes me down to the depths of the bottom of the sea. He says that, the, the seaweed is like bars in a, of, a, of a jail really to him. He's looking and there's no hope for him. The very mouth of the, of the fish is closed over and he's in, he calls it the belly of the fish, he calls it the belly of hell. You'd think it was too. If you were in a big whale's belly or big fish at the bottom of the Mediterranean Sea, wouldn't you? Swallowed whole and alive. And this is what he cries, concise prayer. Out of the belly of hell cried I. And he says, I just cried, Lord. And the Lord saved me. The, 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 the hurt of the heart, the, the, the cry of the heart, listen, the cry of your heart, a meaningful heart, a heart that's, whether it's hurting or mourning, or maybe it's doing well, but it's the meaningful heart. And the prayer that comes from that, the cry that comes from that, no matter how concise it is, I'll tell you, brothers and sisters, God hears it. God hears it. I'll show you one thing and then we'll 
we'll get down to prayer. Will you go with me? Let me see. Go to the book of Isaiah, please. Isaiah chapter 12. Verse 1. And in that day thou shalt say, O Lord, I will praise thee, though thou wast angry with me. Thine anger is turned away, and thou comfortest me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord, Jehovah, is my strength and my song. He also has become my salvation. Now, in verse 2, God is my salvation. The word for God is Elah. As in Elohim El Shaddai. It means the Almighty God. But this Almighty God is my salvation. So salvation in verse 2. And salvation at the end of verse 2. It's the same word from Psalm 3 and verse 8. And the same word from Psalm 3 and verse 2 for help. It is Yeshua. Yeshua. So behold, God is my Yeshua. If you want to put it in English, God is my Jesus. I will trust and not be afraid for Yah, for the Lord there, as in Yahweh. Yah, Jehovah, is my strength and my song. He has also become my Yeshua, my Jesus. Therefore, with joy shall you draw water out of the wells of salvation. You'll... You'll draw with joy. Remember in John chapter 7, the last day of the feast, the great feast of the tabernacles, and Jesus comes to the, the last day, and he stands and he cries, If any man thirst, <laughs> let him come and drink of me. Remember that? John seven thirty seven, I think it is, offhand. Well, here he is, speaking of the water. Out of his belly shall flow Rivers of living water. It's the, he is the well of Isaiah chapter 12 and of verse 3. Therefore, with joy shall you draw water out of the wells of Yeshua or out of the wells of Jesus. And in John chapter 7 in the New Testament, there he stands at the last day when they carried these great big, they had a solemn assembly and they carried these great big vases full of water to pour over the altar and it washes away the blood and there the blood and the water symbolizing Christ's blood and water that flowed from his veins in Calvary. And as they come, everyone's quiet and they come and they pour out the vase and it goes down, the water washes it all away. Well, when that happened, everyone starts to praise. And we're told there were rows and rows, well, they call them trumpeters, more likely shofars. And there they start to blow and the people erupt. They erupt into applause and praise and they almost get ecstatic with it. So Jesus at that moment, then he steps up. And that's when he says, this water will wash that away. This is symbolically what he's saying. This water will wash that away. But you'll go home again, and you, brother, and you, sister, might go home tonight, 
and you'll go home to the same problems, the same queries, maybe even with the same hurt and the same need in the heart. But Jesus says, I am the well, Isaiah 12 and 3. I am that well, and I will give you living water that will be in you, which is the Holy Spirit. And when I give you the well of living water, you'll take me home with you. So when you go with your hurt, I'll be there to minister. When you have those days that you're down, I will be there with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. And whenever you go to your job or to whatever, you go to that family member and you have that hurt or that worry, that fret, that fear, that illness, then he says, I am living in you. Living waters to flow out. And so he says, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. This is what he means in John 7. He is the well from which our joy comes from. He is the well from which we draw the living water. Brothers and sisters, maybe tonight, if there's been a hurt, whatever it is, bring it to the Lord tonight. Bring it to him tonight. You might say, well, Pastor, have you hurt to bring to the Lord? Yeah. A whole lot. Quite a number. Quite a few. Yes. A half. A half. And you know what I'll do? I'll leave them with them. Say, Lord, I'll leave it with you because you know better than me. 